I greet you all in the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, so let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you this morning for your love for us, O oh God, that on this day that the world is celebrating the Valentine Day with the ones who love them and the ones that they love, Father, you have given us a chance to be before you. I pray that this morning, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may make us know that you love us beyond any kind of love that we can find from human beings. And Jehovah God, as the scripture tells us, you loved us so much that you could not withhold your one and only son, Jesus Christ, but you gave him to come and die for us so that he may save us from the captivity of the enemy, the devil, and that we may have life in abundance, eternal life with you in heaven. I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, this day you may reveal this great unconditional love to each and every one of us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Praise be to God. Uh, this morning, I thank God for the privilege to share his word with uh, each one of us here today. And I also want to thank Pastor Caleb for giving me a chance to share God's word uh, this morning. Uh, we are continuing with a series on uh, the spiritual rhythms, uh, spiritual songs which were being sung by the uh, slaves or during the slavery uh, period. And uh, uh, with uh, these spirituals, they reveal a kind of a, a, a place or a kind of a way that the slaves found comfort after going through many troubles of slavery or through going a lot of torture, a lot of uh, helplessness, a lot of uh, hopelessness, and a hard life of slavery. And all that they could do was only to turn to God, particularly for today's song, which Pastor Danny just sang, which says that nobody knows the troubles that I've seen. Nobody knows the troubles that I've gone through but Jesus. When I was asked to prepare for this and I listened to that song, I imagined these helpless people who, who had no way of expressing their pain. But the only thing perhaps that they could do is during their free time, their quiet time, or their moment of being by themselves, just go before God. And I could see or imagine an agonizing slave who is just having a lot of pain in himself. And all that he is doing is to comfort himself in the presence of God. And he's just singing and saying, nobody knows the troubles that I've seen. Nobody knows what I am going through but Jesus. The good part of it is that no, though nobody understood what they went through, they could at, at least comfort themselves and say, though the masters might not be knowing it, and I, though the people around me might not even know, and perhaps married men are saying, my wife, my children might not be knowing it. But then in the sacred place there, they are saying, nobody knows what I'm going through, but my comfort is in Jesus. He knows it. He understands what I'm going through. Each one of us 
has a moment of going through troubles, going through hardships. And it might be even today you came to church or you're following online and you are at such a moment of going through hard time and difficulties in life and you're feeling like nobody really knows what you're going through. You might be feeling as if there is no hope in life. And you might be listening to me, and it happens that as you're seated here in the church or following online, you're wondering, does anybody really know what I am going through? Does anybody really understand what I'm going through? I believe that God made this day to be a day that we will share the words of that spiritual song together with the scriptures, with the hope of encouraging us that despite of all that we might be going through, and perhaps being misunderstood by people, or not even having anybody around us to comfort us or understand what we are feeling, that there is one who understands, that there is one who can identify with all our sorrows, with all our pains, and my prayer is that before the end of this sermon, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God will have given us comfort that he understands, he knows, and he is able not only to comfort us, but he's also able to take us out of those troubles and hard moments that we might be going through in our lives. When I was preparing, I remembered different times that I personally was at such a point where I was like, I'm going through hard times. I'm going through difficulties. And I even wondered whether there was anybody who could feel me, if there is anybody who could understand me. Among those times when I went through that hard time are moments when I lost my mother, the only parent that I knew. I was brought up by a single mom. And when I moved in the U.S., one day I woke up, I got a call, my mother slept, and she never woke up. She died in her sleep. I was still new here, and I could not make it home for her burial. The only parent that I knew who sacrificed herself to bring the three of us up. I loved her so much. My dream was when I am established, I'll pay her back by making her live a good life. And especially when I came in the U.S., driving on the highways, driving my own car, and I was like, I will pay my mom back. I will make her happy when I bring her over, and she will feel good that her son, that was a hard time for me. And when I learned I cannot even make it for the barrio, it broke me. But I would like to share another moment that was so hard and painful for me. I got married in the year 2000. And for years and years, together with my wife Mary, we lived looking forward to being parents. But the first year went, the second year went, 10 years went, and we never got a child of our own. 
after 10 years, and we had gone to the hospital, and we were told there is no problem. So we never made any effort of conceiving because we were told we have got no problem. So we kept on comforting ourselves. The Bible says children are a blessing from the Lord. And they are a gift to the parents. And we kept on comforting ourselves that you cannot demand or take a gift by force. It is freely given by a person who is willing to give a gift. And we kept on encouraging ourselves that our God is a loving God. And if he, he really means to give us a gift of a child, he will surely give us. I want to go particularly to one moment that turned to be so horrible in our expectation and hope in the Lord. And that was a moment in the year 2014. We were 14 years in marriage. And uh, one day we woke up and my wife realized that she was pregnant. And it was wow, it was joy. We rejoiced. And it happened that during that time, we were here in this church, DSBC, and my wife was in the women's group that do Bible study on Thursdays. And my wife shared the good news with the women's group that do Bible study here. This is a sweet moment and a good part of joining a small community group. And if you have not joined one, perhaps after the service you might need to ask, how do I join a community group? Because apart from the primary reason of being in a small group or community group or in the church, which is to grow or help growing spiritually, we also get uh, uh, some people, a church family around us to celebrate the victory and success when we are celebrating and the Bible says also to mourn when we are mourning. So when my wife shared the good news with the, uh, with the other women of this church, they were very happy and excited and they thanked God. And a moment came when the, the Bible study group was to break for, was to break for, for, for summer. So they said, because by the time they are coming back, we will have got our baby, then they will do a baby shower for us. I was invited in the women group and I came. And there, the women of this church, they gave us gifts, they gave us a high chair, they gave us toys, they gave us clothes. And we were looking forward to our, our baby who was to be born uh, during summer or before the Bible study group goes back. After that, we went to the hospital and it was a time for us to see our baby when they are doing the ultrasound. The previous visit we had gone and we were seeing the baby semasorting uh, in my wife's womb, but it gave us a lot of joy. We were so much excited. At a certain moment, she tickled her ear and the nurse was telling us, she is tickling the ear for you. You can imagine the excitement of this couple which has lived for 14 years without a child. And we were so much excited. But... Our excitement was short-lived. After this baby shower, we went back with the gifts. And then after that, we went for the next visit, doctor's visit. We were so much excited. This time we were expected to see her because she has grown two more weeks, to see her doing even more gymnastics there in my, mother's, uh, in, in my wife's berry. But sad news were, they took that thing, we are excited, me and my wife, and they started roaring it, women know this better, and roaring it on my wife's berry, but there was no movement. And we started saying, today she's asleep, wake up baby, wake up. We had just picked a name, Angel, for her. And we were saying, wake up, we are here, we want to see you. And after quite a number of trials, 
The face of the nurse was changing. And she tried several times. Then she said, wait a moment. Let me get the doctor and she will talk to you. So the nurse gets the doctor and the doctor comes and we are excited. We are saying, today she's not waking up. She doesn't want us to see her. And then she also tries. She moves from this side to this side to the down and there was no movement. Then she said, I, I, I would like you to move. We were in North Scottsdale, and she tells us, we want you to move to Phoenix. And when you move to Phoenix, I want to send you to Phoenix Pediatrics so that they can interpret this better for you. She did not tell us that our baby was dead. But when we got in the car, we started getting certain feelings. Could their worst have happened? But then we comforted ourselves. God will not do this to us another time. But then we went to Phoenix, children's, uh, I mean, pediatrics. They, of course, the nurse came and she did the same thing. And this time, our hope started fading because instead of a smile, there was still no, no movement. And we asked her, what is happening? She said, I cannot speak about it. Let me get the doctor. Just like they did at North Scottsdale, she did the same. She went and called the doctor. He came also, and he did some other things in the same way. And it was at that time, she said, he, we were told, there is no heartbeat. At that moment, our world was shut off. It was like we were in a room with the lights on and a certain weird person just turned the main switch off and there was darkness in the room. Or it was like a balloon inflated and somebody just came with a pin and popped it off. Our world was like it has come to an end. We did not even have words for each other. I was there a helpless man. A man who was supposed to give encouragement to the wife. But I didn't even know which words to give her. She looked at me. She also didn't have a word. They left us in the room and told us, take some time. We took some time, and for several minutes, nobody talked to the other. Then we tried to encourage ourselves. After some minutes, they came and asked, are you okay now? Are you okay now? And we were like, then we moved from there, we went to our car. For about 30 minutes, we were like people who are in darkness. Mine as a man was, how do I comfort my wife? Then from that to, what do we tell the women who gave us gifts? They went hoping that after summer, we shall come with a bouncing baby called Angel, and we will celebrate together. That's what they told us. So we are moving from our family circle to the women who gave us gifts. Then from there to what do we tell people who celebrated together with us? The bottom line is we were in a hard time. After sitting for about 30 minutes or more in the vehicle, we started talking and seeing the goodness of God. Then I called Pastor Rick, and I told him what has happened. And the question he asked is, where are you? I said, we are in the vehicle. Then, will you be able to drive? And can, we send, can I send somebody to help you? That's the other part, good part of being surrounded by people who are positive, who are Christians, 
And that's why I said after the service, you might need to ask about joining a small community group so that you can have people who are around you to celebrate with you the spiritual growth and then to celebrate with you during celebration and also to mourn with you when it is morning time. To end that part is, together with my wife, during that difficult time, we only found our comfort in Jesus. We only found our comfort in the Word of God. We looked at all the verses which tells us that God cares, God is a loving God, and at long last we said, God is good all the time. When things are good and when they are not good, he doesn't change. God is good. So this morning, as you listen to me, you might be going through also that hard time. You might be going through that difficult time. You might be feeling as if there is no hope. You might be feeling isolated. You might be feeling as if even God has forgotten you. But I want to say, there is one who understands. And this is Jesus. He understands all our pains. And he also knows how to help us. In uh, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17, the Bible tells us that he had, he left his godness and he took the human nature. Though he was God, he took a bodily form of a human being and he went through the suffering just like us. In Hebrews 4 and verse 4, it says, therefore, since we have a, high, a great high priest who has ascended in heaven, and this is Jesus Christ, let us hold firm to the faith that we profess. I like Hebrews 4 and verse 15, which says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in the same way, just like us, yet he did not sin. This morning, I would like to tell each one of us that Jesus Christ, our Savior, when he took our bodily form, he was tempted just like us. He went through every pain that we might go through or we might be going through just like us. And the Bible says, out of that, now he understands. Now he knows what we go through. There are certain parts of the scripture which shows that Jesus understands. It might be frustration. If you talk of frustration, and you're feeling frustrated, Jesus understands it. Actually, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 37 to 46, it is at the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus went through frustration, which makes him to understand any kind of a frustration that you might go through. It was a time when he was about to face death. And he even calls three of his disciples and he goes with them to pray for him. And when he calls them to go and give him support, the Bible says, as he was, they were praying, he left them and went to a distance of a stone throw. And he needed their support so much, but the Bible says they fell asleep. He comes to them and he asks them, man, please pray even for one hour. Then he leaves them, they fall asleep the second time when he needs their support. The Bible says he comes the third time, he found, finds them sleeping at the job. And you might have been going through a certain kind of frustration. I want to tell you, Jesus went through it. He understands what frustration is. 
You might be going through rejection. In fact, today is uh, Valentine's Day. Last year, I saw when others were celebrating their love, there were others in the news who were burning their marriage gowns. And uh, you might be facing a rejection. There is one who understands the pain of rejection. Jesus Christ was rejected. The Bible says uh, in uh, uh, John 1.10, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. He was rejected in his own city. In fact, when he went to preach, they took him out of the city and they wanted to throw him out of the, uh, the cleave. And even when he had done them good, the Bible says that he, he, he did good to them. He fed them when they were hungry. He healed their sick. He raised their death. And when time came for him to, to be placed before Pontius Pilate, they rejected him and they said, let him be crucified and raised a thug, release a bad person. But Jesus, who was doing them good, they said, this one, crucify him. So you might be going through a moment of rejection. You might be going even at a moment of people not appreciating you. He understands it because when he did them good, they did not appreciate him. Rather, they said, crucify him. If you are talking of betrayal, being betrayed by the ones that that you trusted most, he understands it. In fact, he was betrayed by one of the twelve of the one, one of the ones he was eating with. And these we can find in Matthew 26, verse 21 to 23. He was betrayed by one of the disciples. You might be talking about, or you might be talking about poverty. Jesus went through it in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 20. He says, foxes have got, uh, I mean, holes, but the Son of Man does not even have a place to lay his head. What I'm saying to us this morning is, whatever you might be going through, the Word of God has told us that there is one who was tempted in the same way that we are tempted. Talk about people planning evil against you. Jesus, they plotted to kill him after he had healed, after he had done good. The Bible says they plotted to kill him. He understands it. He went through it in the same way that we might be going through. Talk about Anything that you might be going, being heartbroken. Talk about sorrows like we, left, we, we lost our child. In John chapter 11, it says he lost his friend, Razalus, and Jesus, why, oh, he wept, he cried. He understands what it means to cry. So as you're seated here today or following us online, I want to tell you, despite of all that you're going through, anything that you might be going through, there is one who understands. There is one who knows what you're going through. And he is not only able to comfort you, but he is also able to take, I mean, to help you out of it. In fact, the, the scriptures that were put on the, on the screen before I stood from Isaiah chapter 53, there were prophecies of him which were being given or which were given by prophet Isaiah many years before Jesus Christ came. And the prophet prophesied about the coming of the Messiah. A Messiah, the anointed king, the deliverer. And when we think of these songs being having been sung by the slaves, there is another kind of slavery, and it is the slavery of the enemy, the devil, and his slavery is worse than any other kind of slavery, for he does not only enslave us in sin, but he also enslaves us into the suffering that is associated to sin. The Bible says God created in the beginning. His intention was to live, we live a good life. His intention was we live like it was in the garden of Eden before man sinned. But in chapter 3, man sinned, and the 
sin of man brings suffering. The prince of this world then, he imprisons people. He puts them into sin and the suffering of sin. But the prophecy had been given of one who will come to deliver. The anointed one, the Messiah. And when Jesus Christ came, he quoted the words that were reflecting or pointing to the Messiah. He said, the anointing of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor and to set the captives free. And therefore this morning the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is able to set us free from every kind of captivity. Captivity of any kind of sin and also from every suffering. If you look at Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah talks of him as the suffering, suffering servant. And in different quotes, he says that he suffered. Uh, uh, just to quote, but a few that uh, he was. Uh, that verse three says he was despised and rejected by by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with the suffering. Verse four says, surely he took upon uh, up our infirmity and carried. Uh, our sorrows, verse 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Uh, verse 6 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us turned unto his ways. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And in verse 7 he says, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is uh, uh, silent, so he did not open his uh, mouth. This uh, was a prophecy which was given many years before Jesus Christ was born, and when he took uh, the, our human nature to understand us and to be able to sympathize and empathize with us, then he is a man of sorrow, and Isaiah shows him as a suffering servant. And I want to say this morning, Messiah Jesus Christ, the anointed one who comes to deliver, he is able to do it even for each one of us this morning. If we give him a chance, if we allow him in our lives, if we invite him in our sufferings and in our pain, if we allow him in our lives, he is able. He is able to empathize with us. He is able to go through our pains together with us. He is able to comfort us in our hurting. And perhaps the question I would ask is, what are you going through this moment? Are you feeling forgotten? Are you feeling hopeless? Are you feeling a sieve? Nobody knows what you are going through. Are you feeling a sieve? You want to give up. Might you also even be feeling as if there is no reason of leaving and you're contemplating committing suicide? Today, on this Valentine Day, hear the voice of the Lord telling you, I love you. I care. I am concerned. And I can feel you. I understand what you're going through. It is true you might not have shared with anybody. It is true. You might be at a moment where you are feeling rejected. You might be feeling a sieve. Nobody cares. And in fact, even the one that you trusted most and you expected help from, they have betrayed you. It might be that you have just got a report of the ones conspiring against you, plotting against you. 
There is one who understands. There is one who has gone through it all. Look at it this way. When Jesus came, people of his time, they expected him to deliver them, to save them from the physical and polit political oppression of the Romans. So they expected him to raise a military soldiers who will raise up and fight the Romans. But when Jesus came, he knew his mission. It was not to save them from the political oppression of that time. But his was the spiritual rebellion to save mankind from sin, to save mankind from the destruction of sin, to save mankind from death. And the only way that this could happen, it was to take upon himself the sins of mankind. The Bible says during that time for the Hebrews, what they did was to slaughter a lamb. And a high priest could take the blood from that lamb. And once in a year, he could enter into the holy of the holies with that blood and plead with God for the atonement of sins of the people of that time. And they believed that as he went with that blood and presented it in the holy of the holies, the sins of mankind was atoned. And the punishment, the calamity, and all the, that was supposed to be upon the nation and people because of, uh, because of their sins, it was being taken away. So Jesus, he takes upon himself the sins of mankind. And like a lamb, just as Isaiah says, that was being led to be slaughtered, Jesus he kept quiet and he took upon himself. And there on the cross, many of us are familiar with the story that they took him to Gorogotha. They whipped him. They spit on him. They blindfolded him and mocked him. They said, if you are the son of God, save yourself. They rebuked him. And there on the cross, they nailed him. And Jesus suffered, not because he deserves it, but it was for us. In fact, in, uh, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, Paul says, him who knew no sin, him made to be seen on our behalf that we may become the righteous of God in him. And the ones who are familiar with this story, we can imagine Jesus Christ with his mutated body, with the 21 whips at the back, with the nails in his hands, and eat his feet. And he received that was not enough, a crown of thorn around his head. And a sieve that was still not enough, a spear piercing through his leaves. All these was for us. And so, when Jesus was coming to the end of his life, just before that suffering and that crucifixion happens, he had dinner with his friends or with his disciples, and it is the one that we call the Last Supper. And he echoed words that were meant to show them 
that he has accomplished the mission. And the Bible says that he took the bread and he broke it and told them, take this and eat for this is my body that is broken for you. All the stories, the sun movement, the horrible movement that is described by Isaiah in chapter 53. Jesus pours it in an art shell and he says, it's my body that is broken for you. He breaks the bread and he tells them, be doing this. And as often as you take the bread and break it, do it in remembrance of me. In other words, he, had already, he, he foretold them about his body being broken, about the torture he was to face. And he gave them the reason for it. He says, it is for you. And be reminding yourself every time by breaking the bread. And whenever you break it, remember, do it in my remembrance. Remember that I took upon myself your suffering. Remember that I went through it all. So I understand it. And it was for you. So I know it's a tradition in this church for us to take Holy Communion. And when we are taking the Holy Communion, this is what we are reminding ourselves, that he, say his body was mutilated, it was broken, it was destroyed. It was for us. So when we take the bread, we can also remind ourselves, he went through it. If there is any suffering in my body, Jesus' body already felt it, so he understands. If you are sick and you are breaking that bread, and you are saying, Jesus' body felt a lot of pain, so he understands what I am going through. And when you take it, then you get that comfort that Jesus Christ, he paid the debt for me to be free from it. Sometimes I was wondering when I take the bread and I bow before God, what do I say? And when I got this revelation, I started getting the bread and I started declaring that as I eat of these, I am declaring no pain in my body anymore. For Jesus felt pain on my behalf. And, it, uh, and Isaiah says that by his stripes, we are healed. And so I declare as I take this bread uh, to, to remind me of the body of Jesus or a symbol, as a symbol of the blood of Jesus, I declare declare healing upon myself for the stripes that Jesus received were for me to receive healing. So as I partake of it, I am declaring that I am healed in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that cast is the one who is on the tree and the body of Jesus was put there on the cross. So as I take the bread, I declare there is no cast that can prosper upon my life for Jesus took my curses away in the name of Jesus Christ. Then the Bible says that after that, uh, he took a cup. And when he took the cup after blessing it, he said, take and drink from it. For this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant that was, uh, has been poured or that has been shed for you. And as I bow down, I declare that by the blood of Jesus, my sins are washed away. And I am no longer to be considered a sinner because the blood of Jesus washed my sins away because that is what the word of the Lord says. And his blood washes every sin as white as snow, Isaiah says. Even if your sins are as red as crimson or as red, as carrot, he will wash them as white as snow. I declare that as I take the cup, I am declaring it upon myself that the blood of Jesus is wiping away all my sins. And Paul's later says in Romans 
that there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. So I declare the enemy will not remind me of my past. The enemy will not remind me of my sins. It is true. I might have sinned, but from the moment I turned to Jesus, my sins have been forgiven. My sins have been wiped away. They are as rare as, as white as snow. And where I did not deserve to be called a child of God, by the blood of Jesus, then my sins have been forgiven. My sins have been wiped away. And now I am a child of God. This morning I invite you to welcome, to allow him in your life. And despite of all that you might be going through, as you leave the door today, or as you log out to the ones who are following online, just know this, one who understands all that you're going through and going back to, uh, uh, to uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, I read it again slowly, that it says, we have a high priest for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we have been and yet without sin he has been tempted just as you're going through if you welcome today, him today he understands you he can feel you and he's able to heal you. In a moment, we are going to have to take a Holy Communion today. And after we have listened to this kind of a message, I will request that you prepare yourself to take Holy Communion this morning. And perhaps in a different way, where when you are taking it, you are inviting Jesus into your life. You are inviting Jesus into any kind of a situation that you might be going through. And as you break the bread, you will be saying, Jesus took all my sorrows with him. So as I partake of these, I declare no more sorrows in me. If you are feeling hopeless, as you partake of it, take it saying, I take Jesus in me. I'm giving us time as the bird takes us through that moment to take the elements that are behind your seat. And the ones at home, prepare your elements. It might be a cracker, a bread, and a glass of juice, or just what you want to use to represent the body and the blood of Jesus, just as a symbol. And in a moment, we will take together. Dear brethren, today we are taking Holy Communion as a church family in remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice for us. His body which was broken for us and the blood that was shed for our forgiveness. If you would like to share together with us now, I will request that you open up the elements that you have picked at the back of your seats and at home. That you pick whatever you have prepared to use as a symbol of the body of Jesus. And in Mark chapter 14, the Bible tells us that as they were eating, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave to them and said, take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave to them and they all drank from it. He said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many. Truly, I tell you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Kindly take your bread 
or your substance that you want you would like to use as the bread as the or to represent the body of Jesus and at the supper Jesus took the bread and broke it saying this is my body broken for you do this in remembrance of me please eat the bread in remembrance of how Jesus body was broken to take our sorrows away in the same way he took the cup saying this is my blood poured out for you do this in remembrance of him please drink the juice in remembrance of the blood of Jesus that was shed for you let us pray together church heavenly father in the name of Jesus we thank you that you love us this much that Jesus came and took the human nature though he was god he went through a lot of suffering and he took all our sorrows away from us i pray that this morning at the taking of the bread and the taking of the cup that we have taken oh lord may all our sorrows be taken away may our sins be washed away and may we be made worthy in your presence and to be called your children and it is in Jesus name that we pray and we believe amen and amen god bless you he understands what you might be going through he's able not only to empathize with you but to take you out of it god bless you Church, let's all stand as we respond together.